The most extreme example of Jewish hatred in recent history occurred from 1933 to 1945, while Nazi Germany led the state-sponsored persecution and murder of European Jews. The name Adolf Hitler is synonymous with anti-Semitism. Centuries earlier, a Persian named Haman had more in common with Hitler than the letter H in their name. Haman never got to carry out his murderous intentions against the Jewish people as Hitler did, but his hatred for the Jews was just as real and sobering. Enter Queen Esther for such a time as this. Without mentioning God's name, the book of Esther demonstrates how God worked behind the scenes, delivering his chosen people from evil. Do you see God's providential hand working in your life? I'm Ron Jones. And this is something good. It's one of the most well-known verses in the Old Testament. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. That scripture comes from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 14. Ron takes us there today to remind us that the providence of God was not limited to the time of Mordecai and Esther. It still applies to us today, no matter what we're going through. Stay with us now or look for us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good Radio message, Esther, for such a time as this. Meanwhile, it tells us in chapter five that Haman was building gallows 50 feet high and his plan was to hang Mordecai the Jew the next day. And that night, the hand of divine providence went to work again because that night the king was sleepless in Susa. Not sleepless in Seattle, no, he was sleepless in Susa. The king couldn't sleep, he had insomnia. And to address it, he asked for someone to read to him from the book of memorable deeds, which contained the record of when Mordecai the Jew brought to light an assassination plot against the king. And the king remembered he had never rewarded Mordecai for his loyalty. And so the next day, he calls Haman in for, for a little bit of advice. And in chapter six and verse six, it says that Ahasuerus said to Haman, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And here's, here's Haman thinking, he's talking about me, full of pride. Again, the foreshadowing of the Antichrist, who is just so full of himself and so prideful. Haman thought the king was going to honor him. And so Haman says, well, here's what I think you should do. Uh, I think you should give the honoree uh, some royal clothing and place him on a royal horse and, uh, and, and, and give a royal parade in his honor. And the king says, that's a great idea. Go get Mordecai. <laughs> and when that happened, the blood rushed out of Haman's face. He could not believe it. But all of this set the stage for Queen Esther in ways that she could never orchestrate herself. Because the next day, she was coming in with her feast. And in a providential twist of fate, the king instructed Haman, the Jew hater, to make all the preparations 
for honoring Mordecai the Jew. And when the queen held her feast and she exposed Haman's plot to destroy the Jews, the king, to everyone's surprise, ordered the execution of Haman on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. You talk about a twist of fate and something that only God could orchestrate. And later, King Ahasuerus promotes Mordecai to serve as his prime minister. And if you read chapter 10, uh, it's a short chapter, maybe four or five verses, it talks about the greatness of Mordecai. I mean, he goes from a guy who's just kind of sitting there in some lower level position serving at the king's gate to the prime minister, second in charge, and uh, is great among the Jews even today, Mordecai the Jew. But on the very day that Haman had planned for the destruction of the Jews, you know, through that, that pagan practice of rolling dice, taking the chance of it falling on a day, on the very day he had planned for the destruction of the Jews, the exact opposite happened. The Bible says in chapter 2 and verse 9 that the Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. And throughout Persia, the king issued a new edict. Um, and when he did, the Jews slaughtered those who planned to destroy them. And the next day, the Jews rested and made that day a day of feasting and gladness. And to this day, it is called the Feast of Purim. Jews today still celebrate this, the time that the providential hand of God protected them from a holocaust. Esther chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 26, says this, Therefore they called these days Purim, after the term pure. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter, the letter that the king sent out, of what they had faced in this matter and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written and at the time appointed every year that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. And again, they celebrate uh, today the Feast of Purim. What a story. What a story. And I'm so glad that this story is in the inspired canon of Scripture. Sorry, Martin Luther, you were wrong. You're right about a lot of things, but wrong about this one. The story of Queen Esther. And the demonstration of divine providence in this book is, is worth some further contemplation. Because what do we do with a story like this? How does it apply to us? Esther's story teaches us about the Lord's providential timing and his providential placement. Again, all of it behind the scenes. Far less obvious than a miracle. And without violating human will. That, that's, a, that's an amazing thing that that the sovereign God, creator God, can, can, can manipulate things and move things and without violating human will, but still remain sovereign. Put the people in place at the right time and at the right place for such a time as this. God's providential timing kind of reminds me of the first Christmas. If you're looking for another example, of the providential hand of God. After making the long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, remember the story of Mary and Joseph? They arrive in Bethlehem. 
where the prophet Micah says Messiah would be born. Now, was that a coincidence? I don't know. They're there because Caesar Augustus decreed that everybody in the Roman world should be registered. That's how they got there, right? Providential hand of God working through the normal course of human events to put Mary and Joseph in the right place at the right time. Uh, Maybe the Apostle Paul had this in mind when he was writing to the Galatians and he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. In the right time, and the right place. Can you look at even the Christmas story and see the providential hand of God? There's miracles in the Christmas story, the virgin birth and so forth, the angels singing. But behind the scenes and in a less obvious way, God had been moving his key characters into place at the right time. Uh, Take comfort in knowing that God's providential timing is perfect in your life too. That's the whole point of the story here. That's the the take home. What do we do with a story like this? Let's not leave it in ancient history. Understand that God is working behind the scenes in your life in ways um, you cannot orchestrate on your own. Right time, right place, and allowing for divine providence to work in this way requires what I call the patience of faith. Uh, Mordecai needed that. The patience of faith to know that, that God was at work. He didn't know how these circumstances would get worked out. There was a time when he was in distress, coming to work that day at the king's gate in sackcloth and weeping and wailing and moaning like he did. He didn't know how this was gonna get worked out. But he looked at Esther and said, Esther, you are in the unique position to influence the king for such a time as this. Esther, if not you, who? If not now, when, Esther? And so to to see the providential hand of God's timing, it just just requires, um, again, what I call the patience of faith waiting upon God. I know you're asking him for a miracle, but maybe he chooses to to work in less obvious ways and it just takes some time for some things to get in place. His timing is always perfect. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's message is part of Ron's teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. And as you may have heard, Ron has written two companion guides by the same title, a pair of beautifully designed volumes that cover both the Old and New Testaments and all eight road trips that he'll be taking you on right here on Something Good Radio. When you give your gift of $50 or more to support the media ministry of Something Good, Ron will gladly send you both volumes. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Esther, 
for such a time as this. Uh, the providential hand of God also requires what I call the vision of faith. To know and to see that God, we sang it earlier, is really up to something good in your life. That's a Romans 8:28 principle. I have a radio broadcast called Something Good. In the message, it says every detail in your lives of love for God is worked into something good. It's not because he's performing a miracle day to keep the devil away. It's because behind the scenes, the sovereign God of the world without interrupting or violating human will is working all things out. The Romans 8.28 promises to those who love him to those who are the called according to his, his, his purposes. That certainly applied to Old Testament Israel. Even those who loved their Babylonian ways, they were still the children of Israel. And God took care of them 2,500 years ago. I wonder if you can see that God might have placed you right where you are at the time you're there and see the providential hand of God. You might be the lifeline, the spiritual lifeline to the people in your neighborhood, to the people you work with, to your immediate and extended family. Because child of God, there are no coincidences, there are no uh, accidents in life. Maybe you say, well, you know, we just ended up here in Virginia Beach, well, we just happened to buy a house over here. No, that's not the way the child of God lives his or her life. Yes, we believe in a God of miracles, and sometimes he's that obvious about things, but we also see the providential, sovereign hand of God working all things out without violating human will. Sometimes he does that at a national level, and we, we nod in agreement on that. Esther was uniquely positioned, long before Haman came along with his edict, uniquely positioned in proximity to the king to be the person who stood in the gap between Haman's Holocaust and Jewish protection. But God also works at a neighborhood level. This is where it com comes down, where the rubber really hits the road with you and I. Are, are you willing as a child of God to see that God, God puts you in the right place at the right time to be a spiritual lifeline to that neighbor of yours? Because who else is gonna share Christ with them? Come on. I don't have the proximity. For such a time as this and for such a place as this, it's you. You're in that neighborhood. You're in that place of work. You're in that immediate family, that extended family. If not you, who? If not now, when? That's what Esther lays upon every one of our responsibilities as children of God. By the way, our life group strategy at Atlantic Shores is based upon this principle. We encourage you to gather in two ways here at this church. Gather for a weekly worship service, online, in person, whatever works for you, and then also gather in a life group. And here is our primary way to do life groups. We do them off campuses in a neighborhood near you. You wanna know what life group you're a part of? We do it by high school zones. Catherine and I are in the Kellum life group because that's where we live. 
And, and the idea behind our life group strategy is that we would see ourselves as missionaries, not accidentally or coincidentally placed in the neighborhood in which we're in, but providentially placed there and, and providentially placed in a way that who else has the proximity to these people but, but you and others from our church that are in that neighborhood. And if we can get people gathering there and then leverage the presence for such a time as this. But it takes the patience of faith, it takes the vision of faith to see, hey, maybe God put me here for a reason. Maybe I'm in this job that I hate right now, surrounded by all of these people who don't love Jesus. I'm the only Christian in my office. I hear that time and time again. I wanna work around Christian people. Why? I don't get that opportunity like you do. God called me into vocational ministry. I don't have the proximity that you do, except in my neighborhood, maybe my extended family. You, you, you have incredible proximity to people who don't know Christ. And perhaps you and you alone are God's instrument to be a spiritual lifeline to those people, just as Esther was in the unique position, urged by Mordecai, Esther, You've been placed in the kingdom for such a time as this. She finally got it and was willing to take the risk. The risk. I know it's risky for you to speak out about your faith. It's getting riskier, right? But if not you, who? If not now, when? For such a time as this. The other lesson that I, I kind of pulled away with this week kind of reminded me of how, you know, I, I hear parents and grandparents talking about how, and every generation says this, the world is just getting more and more evil, and we fear for our kids and for our grandkids. Some people go so far as to say that's why we're not having children. We would not want to give birth to children in this evil world and the evil to come. Now, don't think that way. Think this way that God is raising up your kids and grandkids for such a time as their generation will face. Just as he raised up you and he raised up me for such a time as we're facing in our generation. That's the providential hand of God. His providential timing, his providential placement. It's no accident that we're living in the 21st century and not in the fifth century BC. We, we are uniquely positioned as children of God to be the spiritual lifelines to people in our generation. And your kids and your grandkids, they'll face other evils. Anti-Semitism will rise, rear its ugly head again, along with a whole lot of other evils we cannot even imagine our kids and our grandkids facing. But have confidence, have the patience of faith and the vision of faith to know that God is still up to something good in their lives for their generation, and he, it's our job to get them ready, to prepare them to be the spiritual lifelines now and in the future when we're gone to the people that they have proximity with. And Luther didn't think that this book belonged in the Old Testament canon. Are you kidding me? Luther, right on a lot of things, but not on this one. What a beautiful example of how God works behind the scenes. 
And all I'm suggesting, child of God, is open your eyes to see that. It takes faith to see it. God has me in the right place and at the right time. And sometimes he chooses to protect his chosen people. At other times he didn't. Antiochus Epiphanes is another uh, a type of antichrist, I should say. Uh, the, the pain and suffering he brought to the Jews at that time was unthinkable. And of course, Hitler. But even in the midst of all that pain and suffering, God is still working all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are the called according to his purpose. It takes the patience of faith. It takes, it takes vision, spiritual vision to see and believe in the providential hand of God. But he uses you, he uses me, he positions us to be of uh, most valuable to him as a lifeline, a spiritual lifeline to others. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Esther, for such a time as this. Ron, there are some who would say that the sovereignty of God means that we have virtually no free will. Others would argue that our free will means God has limited power. How would you respond to these two ideas? Well, Brian, here's the fascinating thing. You opened the broadcast today by reading part of a verse. And if you had the time in the program to read the whole verse, it would, in a way, answer the question. Here is the full verse, Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now do you see, Brian? God's perfect and sovereign will will be accomplished, but we can choose not to be part of it sometimes to our own detriment. Esther could have refused Mordecai's plea, uh, just as we can refuse God's plea. We have that choice. God's sovereignty means he is in control, but it doesn't mean he is controlling. He has given us a free will. Yes, God knows what our decisions will be, but they are nevertheless our own decisions. Now, Brian, entire books have been written about this subject, and I'm only hitting a couple of highlights here. But that passage from Esther is straight from the mouth of God himself. So we can take it as divinely inspired, God-breathed, infallible truth. God would have rescued Israel either way. That's divine sovereignty. He invited Esther to participate in his plan, but he did not force her to take part in it. That's free will. Think of it this way. God is sovereign enough to give humans free will without losing his sovereignty. (laughs) One more thing about the sovereignty of God. God is both sovereign and good at the same time. This is critical. If he was sovereign and not good, he would be a tyrant. If he was good and not sovereign, he would not be all-powerful. Those two ideas work in tandem to further define the nature and character of God so beautifully expressed in the book of Esther. So let's be eternally thankful, uh, not only for his sovereignty, but also for his goodness. That's Dr. Ron Jones and a few final thoughts on the sovereignty of God taken from his message, Esther, for such a time as this. 
Well, Ron, as usual, we're up against the clock, but let's talk for a moment about where you're headed tomorrow here on Something Good Radio. Sure thing, Brian. Next on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is, well, the starting point for road trip number three, which is our journey through the Old Testament wisdom books. And the very first one is a familiar one, the book of Job. How many times have we heard the question, why do the righteous suffer? I can tell you I've heard it countless times as a local church pastor. And uh, the Bible says Job was a righteous man, blameless. And yet even after God took so much away from him, the Bible says he never sinned or charged God with wrongdoing. It's just an amazing book filled with practical lessons from which all of us can benefit today. And we'll jump right into it next time, right here on Something Good Radio. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones takes us to the book of Job in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.